welcome to the podcast, The Common Bridge with Richard Helpy. Rich is a successful entrepreneur in the technology, health, and finance space. He and his wife, Leslie, are also philanthropists with interest in civic and artistic endeavors, but with a primary focus on medically and educationally underserved children. My name is Brian Kruger, and from time to time, I'll be the moderator and host of this podcast. All right, welcome to the Common Bridge. Today is March the 20th. It's a uh, Friday night. I've got Rich um, here again. And Rich, th- these are these are historic times. Um, a while back, you were talking about healthcare, sort of in a different arena with different um, uh, <laughs> different end zones on the field, if you were. What do you think about that now with everything that's going on with the coronavirus? How has how how that affected in, in a policy way? Great, Brian. Uh, thanks for the question. And I think a lot of people are interested in, you know, how well prepared is our healthcare system. Um, we have the greatest healthcare system on the planet in terms of diagnostics and treatment. Um, our issue is not at the clinical level. Our issue is not at capacity. Um, we do have a bizarre financing set of methods. I refuse to call it a system because it's not. Mm-hmm. Um, so, Brian, I think you're going to see several things in this pandemic. Number one, you're going to see what is a normal heroic reaction by the people that work in our healthcare systems. Um, they are getting very creative uh, about how they are increasing the capacity for testing mm-hmm. uh, and for treatment of people that may be affected by the coronavirus. Um, Capacity is rising. Mm -hmm. Uh, Well, is it rising to the point that it's going to intercept this outbreak? You know, probably not, but certainly there will be mitigation and there are good people that I think largely are making some uh, very good decisions. Mm -hmm. And part of this, uh, the healthcare system while they're doing the right thing, they're working at economic incentives that are contrary to them doing the right thing. Uh, we, we see hospital systems and physicians' offices giving more services, more taking more precautions, which all cost money, putting their lives on the line, yet they may not be getting payment from health plans um, at nearly a way to uh, overcome that. And what's what's occurring is that the cessation of elective surgeries and the cessation of routine care and the cessation of dental services, it, it doesn't mean that the healthcare financing system is going to relax and spend less money. But what it means is that the resources that are going into insurance premiums are being accumulated inside the health plan in that the health plans uh, at this time aren't you know approving an elective surgery like a knee replacement mm-hmm. um, would be a great example of uh, an elective surgery um, so the economic disincentives um, which I've spoken about earlier sure I think would be addressed by the simple plan that I put forward, and just to recap that, that would take all of the tax-supported programs, Medicare, Medicaid, uh, Ch- uh, CHIP, uh, TRICARE, uh, VA, 
consolidate it to a single bureaucracy. Every citizen gets that. And you pay for that on a sliding scale based on income right on the 1040. Secondly, a private market for those people that want more choices, they want faster care, uh, quicker access, and the like. Mm -hmm. um, and an important element of that is that that would make sure that we have the capacity in the system because insurance means you're paying for capacity you may not need. And it's an essential element. And the third uh, element was to make Medicare Part D for prescription drugs available to everyone. Mm -hmm. And if you think about the vaccines and drug treatments that we hope will alleviate the suffering of this coronavirus, then that would be an essential part of everyone's peace of mind. Uh, and then finally, for uh, equality, that the benefits, if they're provided by your employer, that it would be taxable like the compensation that it is. Sure. And if we had that in place today, think of the difference where today we have to divert financial resources to battle a pandemic. And yet we're in a system that rinses through various health plans and doles out money in a way that the health plans can dictate. And, and I'm confident that eventually they'll do the right things, but it's a lot of work to get there. Mm -hmm. uh, much more effective is to look at a pandemic and activate uh, a set of protocols that would be universal for everyone. Sure. Um, similarly, if there are people that uh, wanted to uh, obtain a test or obtain a different type of treatment, they could do that. Um, I also want to talk a little bit about the differences in our health system and some of the others around the world. You've probably seen statistics that our hospital beds in the United States on a per capita basis may appear lower than some other countries. Mm -hmm. We're hearing a but lot about that now. The, yeah. yeah, yeah. So, so you have to unwrap the numbers a little bit. The United States healthcare has been on a movement to do more of the procedures outside of an inpatient hospital setting. Um, you're getting better quality, uh, better cost, less complications by doing surgery in a day at an ambulatory center than in a multiple night stay inside a hospital. So we believe that the hospitals in the United States are on the way toward becoming big intensive care units. I see. And in fact, many of them are. So when you look at the ratio of ICU beds on a per capita, the United States is very favorable. Mm -hmm. um, and again, coming back to the economic, the health plans were paying for those outpatient surgeries. In fact, they led the effort to get care into a lower cost, higher quality environment. They don't now they don't have to pay those claims because those electives aren't getting done. But I guarantee you that the premiums are not falling off at all. Right. So what you're saying um, is, as in with most insurance, uh, whether it's car insurance or health insurance, it's a gamble. And the person is paying for that gamble. And you're saying that they're kind of that they're moving the stack of chips or they're, or they're moving the victory. Right. Because you're paying for a gamble. And then when you go to cash in and say, hey, look, I need a, le a knee replacement. They're saying, well, no, no, we're doing something else with your money right now. Is that, am I, am I well, positioning well, that properly? Well, you, you can't get the knee replacement. Mm -hmm. um, 
some of the state governors are, are have issued executive orders saying no non-essential health care or dental services. Right. So what I'm saying is the gamble you or, or the gamble that you made with the health insurance company is kind of um, it's rigged against you in this point because you have no recourse. They decided they, they moved the cheese. Right. Absolutely. That okay. is a, a, a good description of it. I'm aware in speaking with a number of colleagues in the industry that um, there's some very creative things going on to increase capacity. Mm -hmm. uh, you've seen the administration hit hard uh, about the you know, number of tests, the number of ventilators. Right. Um, there's a lot of detail that goes uh, into the testing. It's the swabs, it's the transport, it's the test itself. And health systems are looking for ways to speed that supply chain and then speed the automation of the testing. And uh, the capacity is rising and there's just, it's a very fluid situation now. So I don't know how many there are growing in terms of the number of tests required, mm -hmm. uh, but they're doing very intelligent things about testing the people most likely to have the virus instead of testing everyone. And, you know, an encouraging piece of news out of this, again, still way too early, is that it's maybe 15, 20% of those people exhibiting symptoms that actually have the virus. Yeah, so, so you and I hadn't planned to talk about this, but I did want to bring it up. Um, so when we get a news item the next day, it didn't happen, and I'm in Michigan right now, and they say, you know, it spiked from 100 to 300 in three days, but they've also tested about 6,000 more people. Um, the the charge for the media at that point is to say this is spiking, and I think that might be a little irresponsible, is, is, and that's what you're saying, right? They're testing a lot of people, but maybe only 20% of the ones that they thought had it had it, but it becomes a numbers thing at that point. They're, they're testing more people. Absolutely, and yeah, more responsible journalism would say yesterday we tested 200 people and we had 10 people with the virus. Right. And so a very small... Uh, positive rate. Yeah. And then, you know, today we tested 2000 people and, you know, we got a hundred mm -hmm. uh, uh, positives and instead they want to report, oh, the number of cases of positive went up tenfold. Right. And but they use really the word skyrocketing, at, right? They say it's skyrocketing, yeah, it's the, spiking and it's not yeah, and really. And, and those, those aggregate numbers are important mm -hmm. uh, because there will be metrics developed of how many people we believe are exposed to how many people exhibit symptoms to how many people get tested to how many people are positive to how many people require uh, intensive care in the form of ventilators to to be cured and how many people aren't able to survive the virus mm -hmm. um, those data sets are being built right now um, but it's it's not a ball score there's correlation and interrelation amongst the numbers. And that's something we need to keep in mind. Mm -hmm. um, I have been encouraged um, by uh, some of the uh, competent leadership. I hope that everyone we've elected and everybody that's working in public health or private health is a very competent person and doing the best they can. I hope that the president, the vice president, the senators, the governors, they're representatives at the state and national level. I hope they all lay down their partisan arms at the door and begin to work together in order to extinguish this virus. 
I think there's going to be some very interesting analyses after we are past the peak. I will tell you, I've been doing a little research on a couple of timelines, mm -hmm. and it's astonishing what some of the media is saying today. And when you lay it against a calendar, I think people are going to be shocked. Yeah, And that is something that uh, I will be talking about in a a future podcast. The Common Bridge is about let's not give in to partisan party politics, that policy should supersede that. Um, I know that not everyone is on board with that. The mm -hmm. folks are still thinking they can win the pandemic, um, which is just a bizarre concept. Mm -hmm. You know, we are going to use this to defeat our political enemy. It's, I can't even begin to understand that kind of logic at all, mm. but there are people playing that game. Yeah. And well, as, as usual, your judgment's been a little bit better than mine on that. So maybe we'll hold off on that and stay focused on the, uh, on this pandemic on coronavirus for the next uh, episode or two, because, um, we're getting a lot more listeners for this, so I think they're uh, glued to it, as they are a lot of things with this. But I think some of the things that you're saying uh, helps make people feel a little more comfortable, but also has them thinking about things in a different way, too. Well, Brian, if you remember on the Common Bridge, I've said we need our elected public servants to behave better. Mm -hmm. We need our media to be more responsible. And I can tell you unequivocally, they have not been. Mm -hmm. And it's time for that to change. And, and the facts laid out are going to destroy much of the media narrative. And it's going to call into question the behavior and the conduct of some people that we have elected. Yeah. And again, they're only doing what they believe will cause them to, and I'm holding up air quotes, win. Mm -hmm. And until we as a people demand better behavior in order to win and keep that office, we're going to keep getting it. So as always, I'm, I'm hopeful for a better day. Mm -hmm. um, I think we're going to have a fascinating society on the other side of this pandemic. I think we're going to discover there's a lot of things that we did and a lot of things we desired that we've found out we probably really didn't need to do. I'm talking pre-virus. Sure. And there are things that we thought we desired that we really don't. You know, people are at home having conversations, uh, having meals with their families, uh, staying in their communities, going for a walk in fresh air. Uh, there's a long list of things that caused our frenetic society to be frenetic. Yeah, and, right. and now we have been barred from doing that. And as an internal optimist, I think we're going to find a much better balance. We also look at the number of things that we can now do online. And now with the impetus of necessity, uh, we are doing more things online. Sure, uh, sure. From visiting with grandkids to 
conducting business. To having a podcast. To, to having a podcast, <laughs> right, to advancing that. But uh, again, just the, the, the teaser I will put out, um, I am going to lay out a couple of parallel timelines and let people reach their own conclusions. And in the meantime, uh, let's uh, hope and pray that uh, the good people in our health system and the good people in our government will uh, be successful at limiting the damage from this awful virus. That sounds good. And Rich, thanks a lot for your time. Uh, again, it's always appreciated. And um, folks, thanks a whole bunch for listening out there. We uh, are impressed with uh, the number of new listeners we get every week. And um, tell your friends about it while they're home and, and come visit us at the Common Bridge. Thanks, Rich. Thanks, Brian. Always a good pleasure. You have been listening to Richard Helpy's Common Bridge podcast, recording and post-production provided by Stunt3 Multimedia. All rights are reserved by Richard Helpy. For more information, visit richardhelpy.com.